Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and this week we'll be doing something a little different. We had the usual one case episode planned for this week, but after getting less than 24 hours notice that we were going to close on a house and move, I decided that instead of foregoing the regularly planned episode, we would cover several different missing persons who could use the public's help. With that being said, we both know you didn't come here for the small talk, so let's dive in. Sixty-five-year-old Karen Louise Ryan of Hanover County, Virginia, was last seen more than a month ago on May 25th of 2022. It was in the 6600 block of Rural Point Road. To the east of Karen's house is a rural area with a mixture of open fields and patches of dense woods, but to the west of her home is a pretty well-traveled area. There's actually a really popular farmer's market just down the road that I have been to countless times. While no one has physically seen Karen since May 25th, she did speak to her family on the 26th. She was reported missing by them two days later on the 28th. According to the AWARE Foundation on Facebook, her niece says that Karen's vehicle was still at her home when they went to check on her. And due to Karen's medical history, they don't believe she left the house on foot. WRIC reports that Karen is a Caucasian female who is 5'6 and 212 pounds with brown hair and brown eyes. The outlet reports that deputies have searched her property and utilized canines in the surrounding area, but every attempt to locate her has been unsuccessful. It has been an intense investigation, and Karen has been entered into the system as endangered. Law enforcement is very concerned for her safety. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Karen Louise Ryan, please text or call Detective Josiah Robertson with the Hanover County Sheriff's Office at 804-572-3333. You can also submit tips through the Metro Richmond Crime Stoppers at 804-780-1000 and the P3 Tips app. Our next missing person is also out of Virginia. 19-year-old Caitlin Akins was living in Arizona in 2015, but in December of that year, she traveled across the country to Spotsylvania, Virginia, so she could spend some time with her family. According to her missing persons poster, Caitlin was last seen on December 5, 2015, by her stepfather, who said he dropped her off at the Springfield Mall in Springfield, Virginia. That's about an hour's drive. The plan for that day was that Caitlin would take the metro to the airport so she could fly back home to Arizona. Arizona, but that never happened. Two days after she was supposed to board that flight, everything she would have needed to travel or really do anything was found in a ditch all the way back in Spotsylvania on the 6600 block of River Road. Her plane ticket, wallet, cash, luggage, and even her glasses. The ditch these items were found in is along the definition of a rural country road lined with fields and dense woods. According to the Help Find Caitlin Aikens Facebook page, as hard as the Springfield police tried, they didn't find any images of Caitlin from the numerous surveillance cameras at the Springfield Mall. Caitlin is described as a Caucasian female with blonde hair and blue eyes who is 5'4 and 145 pounds. Her ears, nose, lip, and tongue are pierced, and she has a tattoo of stars on her right foot and one of butterflies inside her left forearm. 
It has been more than six years since Caitlin has been seen or heard from. If you have any information about her disappearance, please contact the Spotsylvania County Sheriff's Office at 540-582-5822. Our third missing person is 33-year-old Lieutenant Nani Dotson, an Air Force nurse who went missing while she was on leave from Lackland Air Force Base. According to the Military Murder Podcast, in November of 2006, Nani and her 16-month-old daughter took a vacation to Littleton, Colorado. She planned to stay with her brother, his wife, and two young sons for a few days and then spend another couple of days with a friend. But that's not what happened. On the day Nani planned to leave her brother's house while her sister-in-law was at work and the baby was sleeping, Nani allegedly told her brother that she was going to run a quick errand, but she didn't leave in a vehicle and she never came back to the house. Nani was reported missing the following day. In the early stages of the investigation, canines tracked Nani sent up the street from her brother's house, but it stopped in the middle of the road. None of her bank accounts have been used since she was reported missing. Nani is described as a Caucasian female who is 5'3 and 115 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes and was last seen wearing a gray hoodie, a white t-shirt, and black jeans. It has been 15 and a half years. If you have any information about the disappearance of Lieutenant Nani Dotson, please contact the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office at 303-271-5612. To learn more about Nani's disappearance and what the investigation has uncovered in the last 15 and a half years, check out episode four of the Military Murder Podcast. Our fourth missing person today is 22-year-old Tracy Brazel of Everett, Washington. She was last seen on May 27, 1995 at 1.45 in the morning. According to the Dealing Justice podcast, two days prior to going missing, Tracy, who was a hairstylist at the time, unexpectedly quit her job. On May 26th, she went out drinking with friends and stayed out into the early morning hours of the 27th, ending up at a place called Kodiak Ron's Pub. It was getting late and her friends wanted to head home, but Tracy was playing one of those arcade games where you're driving behind a makeshift steering wheel and her round wasn't quite over. She told her friends to walk out and she'd finish her game. Around 1.45 a.m., Tracy did leave the pub, but she hasn't been seen since. According to the Dealing Justice podcast, law enforcement has named a suspect in Tracy's case, but that he's currently in jail for murder. Her body has never been found. For more information on Tracy's disappearance and the investigation that led to the naming of a suspect, check out the Dealing Justice podcast episode, Ace of Spades, Washington. Our next missing person is actually two missing persons, six-year-old Kayla Hunter and her baby brother Christian out of Detroit, Michigan. According to the least of these podcasts, June 5th of 2014 was supposed to be a big day for Kayla. She was graduating kindergarten and her mom, 27-year-old Alicia Fox, had ordered a custom cap and gown and invited the entire family to come celebrate the big day with her. The family showed up ready to cheer Kayla on, but she wasn't there, and neither was her mother or her baby brother Christian. Worried that something might be wrong, the extended family rushed to Alicia, Kayla, and Christian's home, 
But when they got there, there was nothing. And I mean nothing. No people, no furniture. There weren't even any clothes. There was, however, a bottle of bleach. The house had recently been cleaned from top to bottom. Not knowing what else to do, the family called the police and initially, law enforcement thought Alicia might have relocated with the kids. The neighbors had reported seeing a U-Haul in the area recently, but Alicia's family wasn't buying it. They started an investigation of their own and just a few days later, during one of their searches, Alicia's uncle found her body. It was in the basement of an abandoned home in a neighborhood nearby. She had been shot six times all across her body. Though they'd found Alicia, they had not found Kayla or baby Christian. The search for the two children intensified and the investigation into who murdered single mother of two Alicia Fox began. As the investigation unfolded, detectives learned that Alicia's estranged husband, Aaron, had rented a U-Haul around the time the three of them disappeared. In the following days, the least of these podcasts reports that the U-Haul was driven 300 miles all around the Detroit area. With that, a manhunt was on. It took a few weeks for investigators to catch up with Aaron, and when they did, he wasn't in Detroit anymore. They had found him all the way down in Atlanta, Georgia. Aaron was alone, and neither six-year-old Kayla nor baby Christian were anywhere to be found. Aaron was eventually arrested and convicted of Alicia's murder and sentenced to 45 to 80 years in prison, but more than eight years have passed and neither Kayla nor Christian have ever been found. If you have any information as to what might have happened to Kayla or Christian, please contact the Detroit Police Department at 313-596-5600. For more information on Alicia, Kayla, and Christian's case, please check out the least of these podcast episode, She Was Trying to Escape, Where Are Kayla Hunter and Christian Justice? Our seventh missing person is 71-year-old William Rochelle of Raleigh, North Carolina. According to the Charlie Project, William lived with his 89-year-old mother Lucy his entire life. From everything I've read, he was a simple man who loved cake, grape juice, and going to church. Star News Online reports that he'd actually just bought himself a new Sunday suit. On the morning of July 9th, 2015, William walked out of his mother's house and never returned. His wallet and his watch were left behind. It wasn't unusual for William to go on walks. Star News Online reports that he actually walked to a family member's house in Mooresville one time, 14 miles away, without telling anyone. But that's not what happened that day. Law enforcement initiated an investigation, going door to door to see if anyone had seen William and even used canines to track his scent, but all leads came up empty. The Charlie Project reports that authorities believe he may have caught a ride with someone, but if so, no one knows who that might have been. William Rochelle is described as an African-American male who is 5'7 and 165 pounds. He has black hair and brown eyes and was last seen wearing a brown shirt, black jeans, and black sneakers. If you know anything about his disappearance, please contact the Raleigh Police Department at 919-890-3555. 
Our next missing person is Corinna Slusser, who was 18 years old at the time of her disappearance in 2017. Corinna was a small-town girl living with her single mother in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. According to the Crime Salad podcast, she was a cheerleader, a great student, and had dreams of making it big and becoming a famous hairstylist and makeup artist. Her perfectly highlighted hair, eyebrows on point, and contour that could change the world proved that she was up for the job. Unfortunately, as time passed, Corinna's mother Sabina mentioned that she was starting to head down the wrong path. She got some fines for drinking and said that Corinna was becoming out of control, combative, and that she would often catch her daughter in lies. Later on, it would become obvious that Corinna was a young girl in an unimaginable amount of pain. In the summer of 2017, Corinna started looking for alternative ways to support herself. She created a profile on Sugar Daddy websites such as SeekingArrangement.com, and it's there that she was contacted by an older man who offered to fund her dreams of becoming a makeup artist in New York City. With that, Corinna told friends that she was heading to the city to attend a prestigious beauty school to turn her dreams into a reality. When she got to the city, Corinna posted photos on social media of a studio apartment in the Bronx, and it seemed like those dreams were truly coming to life, but her mother had questions. How was Corinna affording that expensive apartment all on her own? The man who had been promising to make Corinna's dreams come true was a man named Yovani, whom she had considered her boyfriend, but he had other intentions. Unbeknownst to Corinna, ABC7 reports that he had previously been convicted of burglary, robbery, assault, promoting prostitution, and sex trafficking. It wasn't long before Corinna's own photos began popping up on sites known for sex work. At some point, Corinna knew she was in trouble. She texted her mother saying that she was ready to come home and her mom offered to buy her a plane ticket, but Corinna told her that she'd lost her wallet and ID. That was the last time Corinna's mother ever heard from her. The five-year anniversary of Corinna's disappearance is coming up and for years, human trafficking experts have believed that Corinna was alive and being trafficked without any means of reaching out. Corinna is described as a Caucasian female who is 5'7 and 140 pounds. She has blonde hair and blue eyes and a tattoo on her right hip. She also has a lotus flower tattoo in the center of her chest, which the Charlie Project describes as being between her breasts. Corinna's case is still listed as a missing persons case. If anyone has information on the current whereabouts of Corinna or what might have happened to her, please contact the New York Police Department at 212-384-1000. For more information on Corinna Slusser's case, and there is so much more, check out the Crime Salad Podcast episode, Small Town Girl, Corinna Slusser. Our ninth missing person is 70-year-old Michael Chambers, a retired firefighter out of Quinlan, Texas. On March 10th of 2018, Michael left the house to run to Walmart to pick up a few things like mascara for his wife. According to the Crimeaholics podcast, Michael finished his errands and made it back to the house around noon that day and brought everything inside. Once he did, he headed out to his little detached garage to work on a classic car that he'd been rebuilding. A few hours went by, and when Michael's wife got home from work, she fully expected her husband to be there like she did every night, but he was nowhere to be found. She called him to see where he was, but she got no response. With Michael not in the house and not answering his calls, his wife went out to that detached garage to see if maybe he was still out there. And while he wasn't out there, she did find a small trail of blood. 
Though according to Crimeaholics, the investigation that followed led some authorities to believe that the scene might have been staged. Trying to track down where Michael might be, police in Dallas traced his cell phone, which led them 17 miles away to a bridge on Lake Tawakoni. The podcast states that authorities began to speculate that Michael may have ridden his bike there and committed suicide, but what bike? His family and private investigators say there's no way that with Michael's bad knees, he could have never ridden a bike 17 miles away, and he had never shown any signs of being suicidal. Michael is described as a Caucasian male who is 6 foot 3 and 225 pounds with gray hair and blue eyes. He had a mustache and goatee at the time of his disappearance. E Extra News reports that he was last seen wearing a blue t-shirt, black pants, and a blue baseball hat. And according to the Charlie Project, he wears metal-framed glasses with lenses that tint in the sun. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Michael Chambers, please contact the Hunt County Sheriff's Office at 903-453-6800. For even more details on who Michael was and everything that has unfolded in the investigation, check out this week's episode of the Crimeaholics podcast. Our next missing persons case is a case with very few details, but one that really stuck out to me. It's the case of missing mother Georgia Blevins. According to the Charlie Project, all the way back in 1962, when Georgia was only 22 years old, she and her six-month-old daughter were living in the house next door to her parents in the 1200 block of West 8th Street. On July 4th, she and her family were supposed to be heading to the park to watch fireworks together, but she stayed behind when they left, and she never made it to the show. Georgia has never been seen since. Fox 44 reports that family stories that have been passed down state that several searches were done for Georgia, but she wasn't formally reported missing until 2017, 55 years after she disappeared. A detective told the station that he took the report so he could get DNA and test it against unidentified persons in NamUs, the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, but as hard as I looked, I couldn't find any update. Because so much time has passed since Georgia went missing, the investigation into her disappearance is a tough one, and the details are hazy. It has been 60 years now. Her family misses her every day, and they deserve to know what happened to her. If you have any information as to what happened to Georgia Blevins or where she might be, please contact the Austin Police Department at 512-477-3588. Our 11th missing person is 33-year-old Sandra Payne out of Santa Fe, New Mexico. According to the Charlie Project, she was a nanny at the time of her disappearance. On July 4, 1996, Sandra went to a barbecue with a female friend of hers, and around 9 or 9.30 p.m., witnesses say that she was picked up by a man named Robert. After being picked up, reporter Steve Terrell with the Santa Fe New Mexican writes that Sandra made it to a biker party, but she hasn't been seen since. According to that piece by Steve Terrell, after not coming home for two days, Sandra's mother reported her missing and the investigation into her disappearance began. Searches were done, canines were used, but there was no sign of Sandra anywhere. Over the years, more than one person of interest has come about, including one who seemingly lied about where he was that night and, according to the Charlie Project, was convicted of the rape and murder of another woman just two years later. 
At the time of his arrest, photos and newspaper clippings about Sandra's disappearance were found in his briefcase. Another person of interest was brought to light after an informant told police that a man killed Sandra and buried her in a field in Romeroville, New Mexico. According to either the Albuquerque Journal or the Santa Fe New Mexican, when police searched the vehicle reported to have possibly been used to transport Sandra's body, blood was found and sent off for testing, but as far as I can find, no updates have ever been given. Sandra Payne is described as a Caucasian female who is 5'7 and 120 pounds with brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a black shirt with long lace sleeves, cut-off jean shorts, black socks, black boots, and a silver bracelet on her right wrist. To this day, no one has ever been charged in relation to Sandra's disappearance. If you have any information as to what happened to her or where she might be, please contact the Santa Fe Police Department at 505-473-5000. Our 12th missing person is 24-year-old Daniel Robinson. Daniel Robinson was a young geologist working on a water system just outside Phoenix, Arizona. On June 23rd of 2021, Daniel told his boss that he was tired and left his job site, which was in an isolated part of the Arizona desert. He was never seen or heard from again. Nearly a month after Daniel went missing, police found his SUV, but it was laying on its passenger site in a desert ravine. That ravine is only three miles from his job site. Though they'd found his car, there was no sign of Daniel. Trying to figure out what could have happened, an analysis was done of the vehicle's black box. That analysis showed that someone had attempted to start Daniel's car at least 40 times. The black box had also recorded that the vehicle had traveled 11 miles after the accident, which is impossible. Daniel's father, David, continues to search for him. Daniel Robinson is described as an African-American male who is 5'8 and 165 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. He was born without his right hand. If you have any information about Daniel's disappearance, please contact the Buckeye Police Department at 623-349-6400. For more information on Daniel's case, the prosecutors podcasted a two-part deep dive. Our final missing person is actually a final two missing persons. One-year-old Daniel Spangle and his mother Denise out of Lancaster, California. According to the Charlie Project, not long before March of 1989, Denise and Daniel's father broke up and she and Daniel moved to Lancaster to be closer to family. On March 2nd, 1989, Denise's current boyfriend saw her and Daniel when he left for work, but two hours later, when Denise's sister came by to pick up a key, the apartment was empty. Not only was it empty, but the front door was open and the sliding glass door was cracked open as well. There was a high of 52 degrees that day, which for Lancaster can be pretty chilly. It wasn't the kind of day where you crack your door open, let alone two of them. With that, both Daniel and Denise were reported missing. 
RCCMCC reports that initially, investigators thought that Denise might have left with Daniel voluntarily, but all of her bills had been paid through the month, she hadn't made any plans to travel, her car was still in the parking lot, and both Daniel's diaper bag and car seat were left behind. According to the Charlie Project, as investigators processed the scene, they noticed one single muddy footprint on the top of the air conditioning unit next to that sliding glass door, and the closet door in Daniel's room was off its track. Daniel and Denise have been missing for 12,184 days. If you have any information as to what happened to them or where they might be, please contact the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office at 213-974-4346. For photos of every missing person mentioned today, check out the missing highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. If you like your podcast ad-free, Head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new one case episode a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.